0: everybody welcome to another episode of the dark art society podcast my name is chet czar i'm your host it is episode 273 and the date is january 17th 2023 wow this month is zipping by uh, this week i've got an excellent interview with brandon grafius who's a um religious scholar and he has a great book called Lurking Under the Surface that I highly recommend. I'm doing the audio book right now. It's almost finished. Um, and he talks about, he's a horror movie fan. He's a, he's a religious scholar and horror movie fan. And uh, he, in this book, he relates the uh, issues of horror movies, things that horror movies confront with the issues that religion confronts and helps us process it's really interesting really unusual cool take and super um applicable to the kind of things we like to talk about on here regarding dark art and stuff so um get the book it's it's great i highly recommend it really well written and 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 really fun too um so we had a great conversation all about horror movies dark art religion all that sort of thing um what's been going on with me this week i have been finishing my these tool posters that i owe i got my 40 i got 40 studies blocked out um so i gotta finish those for my uh, patrons on patreon because i owe them studies uh that and just you know grieving the death of my dog that was about a week ago i'm starting to feel kind of normal Or more normal, normal enough to not feel like terrible every day, so that's a relief You know, when a pet or a person for that matter, loved one dies, I guess loved one covers it all Um, You never know how long it's going to take to grieve, grief is such a weird thing I've lived through enough deaths in my life and it's always different every time So, uh, but I'm starting to feel a little bit more normal now, so that's good that was, that was a, that was a rough, rough last week. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash dark art society, and you can be entered into, uh, winning a skull from skull shop. If you join at the $5 level and that's S K U L L S H O P P E. They make amazing skulls. As you can see, this one right here, I use for all my reference um, skull reference. And if you want to see what I'm up to and my artwork, you can go to patreon.com/chetzar. And um, oh, if you join on the the uh, Dark Art Society Patreon, you get your name read on the air every week, and I will do that now. You also get uh, the podcast a day early, and the um, entry into the Facebook group and a discord server and all that stuff and you just support the podcast because you know that's that's how i'm able to do it it's from you guys supporting okay new new subscribers are logan thank you logan and chris f labonte thank you both so much appreciate it you're making this thing happen um i think that's it is there anything else i wanted to talk about i don't think so Let's get on with the interview. The interview was great. Brandon's such a cool guy and super smart and has a lot of food for thought uh, regarding horror movies and dark art and religion and stuff. So I think you're going to really dig it. Okay, that's it. Let's get on with it. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy it.
1: Hello, Brandon. Hey, Chet. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: I'm really excited for this conversation. Well, I'm really excited. Um, always excited to have people who are way smarter than me. <laughs> <Come and talk. laughs> I <know> <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I appreciate, you know, as, as I'm, I'm a, a high school graduate who just want, got into the movie business right at of high school and, and, uh, i'm just not that smart so i
1: i i I, I always or or you're smart enough to have not wasted so much time in academia
0: no i just it's 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 like it's like people who are really good at math i just it's since i'm not good at it i it make i'm uh uh fascinated with people who are good at it people who are in academia that have gone all that way and, and worked done all that it seems like such a foreign thing to me so i appreciate it i appreciate oh, smart people
1: so and you know the admiration goes both ways because i really admire the um <laughs> the ability to to get out there and do something instead of needing to stay in this safe <laughs> my whole life oh, um, yeah, so, yeah I, I appreciate what you do too ah uh,
0: thanks thanks um yeah so i i i just uh i think i heard you on um uh rebel spirit radio
1: yeah yeah the interview
0: that was a great interview um and i i just i this 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 angle of horror and uh uh the bible is just so interesting to me (laughs) and and it's you know we've talked this this podcast is um you know primarily focuses on dark art which is the kind of stuff i do which is horror inspired artwork i guess you could say but um it's Not that narrow of a field to me, but, um, uh, but I've all often we we talk about horror films and things relating to I don't know the dark side of creativity. I guess you could say and art, and um, and I've often thought about and I've talked about it before how there's so much of a there's such a horror element in in uh, many religions and specifically christianity and catholicism and the and and the the christ the you know talk about a brutal image you know the christ on a cross bleeding and suffering it's it's
1: intense and it's and i've always felt like um it was very kind of horror related you know very much so you know i i my initial response to mel gibson's passion of the christ was that i I'm um, seeing it marketed as an evangelical film. I, I kind of wanted to keep it at arm's length, but as soon as I realized it's really a horror movie and that it's got uh, all, the, right. all the all the trappings and words, it's like torture the, porn the, kind the sound of stuff. everything. Yeah, yeah. It really then I was able to to appreciate it in a different way. Right. <laughs>
0: Interesting. Um, so I don't. know. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then we could talk about you know this uh, your your book and 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 your perspective on
1: this. Sure. Sounds good. Um, so I, I grew up in Michigan. I'm a third-generation Michigan State Spartan. Um, mm-hmm. Both my, my dad and my grandfather were on the faculty there. I just did my undergraduate there before going on to different things. Um, but I've always, I've always been a horror fan. Um, I talk <laughs> in my my book how Scooby Doo was kind of the gateway drug.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> Me my too. age,
1: Scooby Doo <laughs> is that that early experience, and then graduating on to some of the Disney movies that are mm-hmm. way scary it seems like they should be my particular one was something wicked this way comes. okay i still really admire to this day i think there are some great things about it oh yeah um and then just always found myself i I was reading stephen king when i was in seventh grade um Mm. I just devoured everything I could of his. I remember joking to myself that most of his books made me check under the bed before I went to sleep. And then it made me not want to check under the bed because <laughs> I was afraid I would find something. <laughs> 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 and then, then moved into to horror movies from there and, Kind of on a, a parallel track. I, I grew up as a progressive Christian. Mm-hmm. Um was in the United Church of Christ denomination that was, you know, one of the, the early Protestant denominations to ordain ordain LGBTQ folk and mm-hmm. things like that. Um but I at the same time, so that's always been a part of me, but I I always thought horror was this completely separate. Mm-hmm. A separate part of my identity perversion <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it was this guilty thing that i kind of kept locked up in the closet right every now and then um so as i i felt found myself drawn to academia um at first i i was pursuing creative writing i did a master's mm. in poetry at california davis um and then that kind of was a was a dead end for me i'd planned to go on for a phd in literature and that that didn't work out i didn't get accepted into the phd program mm-hmm. so a while kind of thought that was the end of my academic career. Um, It took me maybe four or five years to realize that's not a no, that's just a not yet. Mm -hmm. So eventually started wondering, looking at what seminary would would be like, and wasn't sure if I was called to be some kind of a pastor or some kind of a a biblical scholar. Mm. Um, So started my Master of Divinity degree and gradually found myself more and more drawn to studying the Old Testament as an academic pursuit it wow. was finally in my phd program um i went to chicago theological seminary for a phd in hebrew bible um and i that was just kind of fortunate they were kind of close by they were had some affiliation with the ucc denomination so they seemed like like People that I would get along with fairly well. But in hindsight, it's one of the few seminaries in the country that would have supported this rather odd thing that I started <laughs> on <of laughs> connecting horror and, and the Bible together. Right. Um, so my, my dissertation happened as I was reading uh, reading through stuff for class, and there's this passage in the book of Numbers. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on the book of Numbers in all my years of going to church. It's not one we read very much or spend a lot of time with. Mm-hmm. So it happens. The Israelites are wandering through the desert. They're they've just escaped from Egypt and they're on their way to Canaan. And they start messing around with foreign women. Foreign women are often a problem in the Bible. <laughs> um, God tells them to knock it off. But then an Israelite man brings a woman from the, the tribe of Midian into the camp, and they go into the tent together. Um, as they are there, Moses doesn't know what to do, but the priest Phineas picks up a spear and, and skewers them both. And then gets praised for God by God for his great zeal for the Lord. God hmm. apparently thinks this kind of murder is is <laughs> is cool, um, at least in this passage. And so my first. Uh, Connection is wait a minute that death scene happens in friday the 13th part two yeah or a nerd that i also recognized and then friday the 13th part two is quoting mario bava's bay of blood or twitch right. of death or whatever you want to call it so that that very death scene happens there and that made me start thinking about this being something that is kind of hidden in plain sight that the bible has all kinds of horror stories in it right and and for me as as a person of faith when i first read numbers 25 i don't know quite what to do with it um because this is not the kind of god i i want to be right <laughs> want to be worshiping or the kind of god i want to believe governs the universe someone who endorses murder of of because you step outside of your own little ethnic enclave but when we start to realize these are horror stories um for me that really unlocks a whole bunch of things that oh, we read them differently right. because we understand their horror right Um, so, so that was kind of the initial just insight that, that, that I had, and then found there were a few other people who had done some things kind of like this, but not, not as much as you might think. Hmm. Um, so I really started pursuing this track of what happens if we read the Bible like horror stories. Right. And then it can also work both ways that, you can see how much the bible undergirds and supports the the horror stories we tell today whether they're their movies or tv series or books or whatever so that's kind of something i've been exploring since my my days in the phd program and i, I haven't gotten tired of it since i found it just <laughs> continually new stuff yeah to keep working with it's so cool i
0: love it yeah it's uh so interesting uh you know i i i mentioned before we started recording that i'm about uh that i, that I I'm almost done with your book. Um, "Lurking Under the Surface" is the title, correct?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah it's really great. It's so good. Oh, I recommend much. it to everybody who listens to this podcast. Um, you know, one thing I really liked about it is, uh, it's like, in a, you know, okay, so horror films are generally regarded as kind of low culture. And, you know, a lot of them are <laughs> low-culture and B-movies. Sure. A lot of them are terrible. There are some really amazing ones that are great cinema, like The Exorcist and stuff, yeah, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, lots of great films. Um, but, the, you know, there's, there's this whole aspect of it that's just – pure trash but that's enjoyable <laughs> as well I, that is. <laughs> you're you're yeah. i can i know i can tell it just you know uh your r- your references to uh mario bob and stuff you, you're we're on the same page <laughs>
1: yeah i i love really good horror movies but I, I think i'm with you that i i can usually find something to enjoy in really bad horror yeah movies. there's
0: it's there's a different uh, reason for loving it, but there's it's yeah. still wrapped up in horror, which is which is uh fun for us. But but you you know I really like the I do really like the the bad stuff as well the really bad stuff. I don't like the stuff that's trying to be bad. I like the stuff where they were trying hard and they,
1: failed. they and they, <laughs> they yeah the, the Icarus movies that were were flying too high and crashed.
0: Like uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space or something. Oh, it's gosh. like that would be so much fun. <laughs> anyway, what I was going to say is what I really enjoyed about the book is that you know you as an academic are kind of validating horror in a sense you're you're saying this is there's more to it than that there's more to it than that and for horror fans and specifically people that have been turned off to christianity because of fundamentalism you're kind of showing like this is how christianity should be that's what that's how i took it i was like Oh, wow. Why can't, why can't every Christian be like this? This is like, <laughs> this is how, this is my perspective of Christianity. Like I wasn't raised very religious, but it was there. My mom was, uh, 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 you know, she was into like new thought and new age stuff and, uh, and, you know, spirituality, but, you know, we went to church and stuff. Uh, uh, she taught at an Episcopalian school at one point. Uh, so it was like, it was around just like, it, it's, you know, it's around every, it's, it's part of American culture. You know, people don't even realize that 99% of the phrase phrases we use day to day are like biblical thing. They're th- things Definitely. from the Bible. Um, anyway, so my mom, you know, my parents were cool about it uh i feel like i've got this perspective on christianity like my i always say joking half jokingly that my my big uh biggest exposure to christianity was jesus christ superstar because that was like a big (laughs) a big movie to watch with our family
1: a lot of people's biggest exposure and
0: i and i I always thought jesus is cool it's like he was awesome in that it's like you know i just found that to be a great movie i remember I, i made like little comics after i saw that movie like little three panel comics that are sort of like funny jesus christ superstar moments sort of. <laughs> but <That's great. laughs> anyway point being is you know uh i'm sure as you well know christianity gets such a bum rap because of the far right and the crazy faction of fundamentalism and, and it's like
1: Those voices are loud enough that we earn that bum rap right?
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah right but it's like it, it's a bummer for 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 you people like you people like myself who 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 felt like always felt like it was you know there was just a a beautiful positive message there about loving each other and it's a shame it's a shame that that has it's got it's got you know I'm sure you feel I'm sure you feel a lot more than I do since you're you know you're in there um but I but I appreciate that both I feel like both of those things are served in your book if that makes any sense
1: I, yeah, I, I try to think of it um, as an apologetics for kind of both sides. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that, you, know, you have this phrase apologetics mm-hmm. that is really understood of as explaining the difficult problems in right. religion. I think of it sometimes more as the problems in religion being the the closed minded mm-hmm. um, reactionary forces that are so loud in our culture today. So right. I feel like I've got to offer an apologetics that Christianity, as you say so so well, can be bigger than that, can be more more kind than that, and can right. be more supportive and open than that. And then at the same time, in apologetics for horror movies. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
2: these,
1: these movies are are how we take these big questions and how we process them, how we try to work through them.
0: Right. I, and I, I find it interesting as well that like um, the, the funny thing about horror films is you've got folks like you and I who were raised in them and we love them and we think they're cool and we would like to make a movie. but But a lot of the movies that we were raised on were kind of garbage made by people, not all of them, but made by people be, to make a quick buck. They're made yeah. to make a quick buck, and so you think, well, what? How is there any value in that? How is anything positive? But the the thing is, the reason they make a quick buck is because they are they are exploiting in a way with these crappy grindhouse movies and stuff. They're they're they're. <laughs> they're taking their cues from society's fears and anxieties and that's what gives them meaning i guess you know what i mean so it's like they wouldn't be making the movies if we didn't go to see them and the reason that we want to
1: see them is because we have these feelings because it because it says something to us because it it somehow taps into those fears and anxieties we have and even if it's in kind of a a schlocky ham-handed way it still it still gets there
0: right Um, yeah so i i just i i I always you know for a long time i was wondering you know because i because my artwork is 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 really influenced by these horror movies and horror comics i grew up with and i try to i'm to me they they meant something so i try and elevate them that's kind of like this thing i'm doing with my art my art i want to like paint them beautifully so that i i elevate this low cultural thing to a high culture cultural thing you know kind of like um, a transmutation of a lower energy or an alchemical kind of thing into a, a beautiful higher thing and um i was always kind of like you know maybe i'm reading into the <laughs> these horror movies maybe they're not that good but <laughs> you know but but at this but but coming to that realization that you know even if even the bad horror movies uh can have meaning because again uh, you know repeating my point that it does come from somewhere these fears that we have and the movies wouldn't be successful if they didn't address something that things that we were concerned about you know
1: Absolutely. No, I think that's I think that's a really good way to put it. And I, I love that that phrase about trying to transmutate low art into high art or just kind of blur those boundaries and mm-hmm. recognize that that high art is its own form of genre and has its right. own sort of cliches <laughs> and things like that. And <laughs> the clichés that we we tend to validate more. But but really high art and low art are all mixed up together and beauty and ugliness are mixed up right. in kind of that way yeah Uh, i think that's that's one of the things that you really do in in your art is is take these images that we might associate with ugliness and and ask us to look at them a different way to say well what is beautiful about this kind of right
0: right yeah that's it's it's a strange thing um uh working because i used to work in the film industry for about 20 years i was makeup effects i may have worked on movies that you've Scene probably like the blob. Did you see the blob? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the yes. remake of the blob. That was like my first big movie I worked on. And um, it's you know, this might sound a little weird, but I worked on the blob victims shop. There was two shops together in one big shop. And one side was Lyle Conway and all the blob stuff, and then the other side was all the victims, and I was on the victims screw.
1: So I you'll you'll probably remember this better than I do, but I remember being about maybe 13 or 14 when that came out on video, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of my my introduction to horror movies, my parents would go on date night every weekend and my brother was about six years younger than me. So they would leave me home as the babysitter with a frozen pizza for each of us and we'd <laughs> each get to pick a movie. So I'd watch like He-Man or whatever with my brother <laughs> and then send him off to bed and then I could watch the horror movie I'd picked out. <laughs> so I so was watching the blob and there's, there's a scene where somebody like gets caught in the blob and someone's trying to pull him out and the guy's arm falls off.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I was, am I remembering that right? Yeah,
0: yep. I, She's trying to I, pull I him sick. and it yanks oh, off. Yeah. I was there. I, I was there so on was set that day. Awesome. <laughs> I did the, I did uh Don, Donovan Leach was the actor. It was the son of the sixties uh oh, awesome. musician Donovan. Um uh, yeah, I did his makeup <laughs> that day. Oh,
1: that's so cool. <laughs>
0: but what what I was gonna say was um you know, as as part of our reference for creating these victims, we had uh, uh, books, but this is back before the internet. So it was like, I was, yeah. you know, I was just out of high school. I was maybe 19. I worked on that. And um, uh, so it was 86 or something, something like that. So we had these books that were forensic books that showed like yeah. decaying bodies. And, you know, it was for professionals, f- forensic professionals. And yeah. so we would, you know that was a common thing in the makeup effects business is these books were like you know you that's where you got your reference that's how you know to make stuff look real yeah. and it always struck me that um it, it's like again it's going to sound weird but the the you know you'd have these dead bodies and some of the colors were just if you were able to not see how horrible it is that someone's di- died and it's someone's loved one the colors were kind of beautiful in a weird way like these purples and yellows in a you know it's so strange but it, you know you have to kind of like distance yourself in a way but there's there's really even in like guts and stuff when you see operations it's like there's just there's a beauty to organs and the way
1: they're positioned and it's you know what i'm saying <laughs> Absolutely. You you know, Stan Brackage's movie, The Art of Seeing with One's Eyes. He was kind of an experimental filmmaker mm-hmm. in like the 70s mm-hmm. and had this maybe 25 or 30 minute short that's just a, a film of an autopsy. Oh, but wow. But what's so striking about it is there's no narration behind it. Like Like you're used to when you see images like that, you have this kind of scientific authoritative voice. Right. That, Helps to frame it and put it into context for you, and tell you this is what you're seeing, and, the, and it helps you make meaning of it. And without that, you're left with nothing but the aesthetics of it. Like you're you're just looking at these these images. Right, right.
0: Yeah, I, I just that I, struck me at a, at a yeah struck me at a young age that, you know, wow, there's a beauty there. Or a, I remember hearing I forget who it was talking about um, death as being it's it's a it's poetic. There's a poet there is a poet poetic aspect to things like death. And if you think about it, there kind of is. My dog just died My uh yeah it's oh, it's it's really it's rough. But um but there and I've been in the room when my mother-in-law died and and there is that there is this strange poetic quality to it. You know it's like with my mother-in-law you just you know, you felt, you felt her go away, you know, and it, and it was peaceful and it was kind of beautiful. Yeah. It sounds strange, but it really was like, uh, sublime, That's you a know, good word for you. Yeah. you know, so, so I guess my point is there's, there's beauty everywhere and it's kind of, you know, how you look at things, I guess
1: yeah i think that's i think that's really really true that it, it's how you look at things and and how we figure out how to make meaning out of these things right that in some ways death is is so inexplicable and and right far beyond what any of us are able to understand mm-hmm. we have to to tell these stories and 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 produce these images that that give us some way to interpret it figure out how we how we in- internalize it and think through it ourselves. And mm-hmm. then, of course, lying in the background, whenever we experience death, we're all thinking about how are we going to come to right. terms with our own death. And yeah. Yeah. And it's and, and, really and, unthinkable. We can't think of our own death. You know, <laughs> we could always imagine ourselves, you know, whenever you try to think of your own death, you're like Tom Sawyer hiding out in the rafters watching your own funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really imagine yourself as dead.
0: I know. Yeah. It's, 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 it's and that's the thing that's like every single person has that concern <laughs> you know i've i've been through i i've had uh, uh i i've had these i don't know if you've ever uh uh out of body experiences for like like uh in that hypnagogic hypnagogic state um oh. uh i started having them around 12 or 13 years old and um I remember the first time I not the first time the first time was terrifying cuz I saw this this scary man standing next to me hitting me with the pillow over and over it was like nightmare it was wow. so so scary um but the other one the next one I had I was I left my body and I was floating around and it was the best feeling it felt so good I felt like this is me without any of my negative Emotions, any baggage. It felt like my pure, it felt like my soul. And I, and I, at that moment, I knew this is what death is like. I just knew it. I was like, yeah. this is what dying is like. And, and if this is what dying it was like, there's nothing to worry about. It's okay. You know? <laughs> so yeah. I, uh, you know, and, and, but then, you know, time goes on. <laughs> and then you start thinking, oh man, oh, it's like, oh God, you know, you just start, it's like, you have to i have to kind of try and take myself back to that moment and realize how sure i was at the moment how real it was to me you know uh but anyway (laughs) but 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 the point was that i guess you know it's it's a it's as uh, it's as calm as as love or hate or anything that all people you know go through is that they're going to die and and we all know it and that's why i think these stories are so important
1: yeah, it really, it gives us a, a chance to reflect on that, to think about what that might look like and how we, yeah, how we make meaning out of our lives through that process.
0: Yeah, and, and stories are, you know, stories are, are, are how we do it,
1: whether it's stories through art or writing or movies. Um I, even think of my, sto- my academic work as being really about storytelling in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's true. That's true. We're
1: all uh, stories.
0: Yeah. It's interesting how, uh, you know, if you get down to it, it's, it's uh, <clears throat> seems like it's creativity. It's creativity in many different ways uh, that, you know, like whether it's even like, like you're saying academic papers or writings that's a creative process you know it's like when we create and produce things that
1: at least it should be a creative yeah process. A lot <laughs> all of right. tell ourselves that if you have the creative turned down at all that's not real academic work and i think that's one of the things i'm really trying to push back on my work is this idea that that the academic work and the creative work are are two sides of a spectrum that shouldn't meet each other ever I'm interested in, you know, kind of like we were talking about with your work with beauty and, and ugliness, like what happens if we, if we acknowledge that creativity and academia really should go together, Right. that you can tell some really interesting stories when you're working with combinations of those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's your, that's, you know, the horror horror in the Bible as as well. It's like, you're combining these two things. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting
1: um i'm always interested in what happens when you take those those things that shouldn't go together and and right. kind of shape them up and see what you come up with
0: that's that's art that's yeah. art though that that's like that that's like the uh our you know one aspect of art is is combined especially surrealism you know combining yeah. things that don't seem like they should be together and making it feel like they belong together and to make yes. a new thing
1: you sometimes run into dead ends, but that's that's part of the process. Yeah, right. <laughs> it happens. Not everything can go together, no matter how hard you try. But sometimes you find some things that wow, those connections are there, and that's really surprising and really interesting. To yeah, keep working.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I I'm so glad that you mentioned Night of Living Dead in the book because that's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> that's 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 my uh, I don't know what your that's my Scooby Doo, I guess. Uh, that that's yeah. that was. Although, oh no, you know Milton the Monster. I'm, I'm a little older than you, so I don't know if you got that. But Milton the.
1: That one. Now. You should
0: look it up. You should look it okay. up. It's it's a um it's a a really good hearted horror themed Frankensteinish cartoon. Okay. From the 60s, and and I caught it in because uh, I was born in 67, so I probably caught it in the early 70s. When I was really young, but Milton, the monster, he's really great. Um, there's, there's, there's episodes on YouTube, <clears throat> but, um, but, uh, night of the living dead was probably the first movie that I can remember that just, you know, really terrified me, but I couldn't not watch it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: And I saw it on TV and every year, every year it would come on and I would just watch it and it would just make me feel so
1: scared. <laughs> it sure got that sense of, of, at least i i i still feel like this when i watch it i'm not quite sure how far it's going to go um i don't trust it to keep me safe as a spectator mm-hmm, <laughs> right <laughs> and i i think i remember wes craven in an interview saying that for a really good horror director you as an audience should have suspicions about whether he has your best interest at heart uh. or not. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> And, and that's one of the things i really love about the the genre of horror that i feel like a lot of genres they they have these really firm guard where guardrails as a way to keep you safe as a spectator that right. you know you're going to be within these boundaries you know, and and it's not going to go too far right um, with horror part of the the idea of the genre is that those guardrails um are permeable right um, and sometimes you don't know quite where you're going to end up and Part of the sometimes you see a horror movie and you I, I at least I don't respond well say you know that was maybe a little more than I I wished it had done and that's part of the experience of being a horror fan is that you go there sometimes right
2: <laughs> and that's
1: part of the process of 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 having those those limits explored and sometimes expanded and sometimes pushed upon um right you know, I
0: I I know I'm gonna sound like an old man but um <laughs> when I say this but <laughs> not and and i'm not saying this for all modern horror movies but there have been a few that that i've seen where i felt like they they are mean-spirited and they don't have the heart even night of the living dead i felt had a had a heart and a soul to it absolutely you know even that even with that grim ending i felt like even though it had that grim ending there was i don't know there's it's something you can't really put your finger on but i've I think it was, uh, you know, and maybe it was my state of mind. I only watched it once. Maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind. But the Evil Dead remake, I watched that and I was like, it felt like it, it just didn't have a good heart
1: behind it or it was kind of mean-spirited or yeah. no i really see what you mean um night of the living dead that ending is so awful but you feel like the movie understands it's awful and it's right is really, right yeah. right
0: that's the yeah that's a great point point.
1: And, and sometimes it feels like movies are I, I I think that the Evil Dead remake is a good comparison, where it feels like it's it's almost rubbing your face in the awfulness and kind of laughing at you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not what You're I'm. <laughs> on the journey with you, in the yeah. same way as something like Night of the Living Dead. Right. Um, I recently watched Speak No Evil, and I'm really really torn about that one. Sp- um, is it new? Yeah, it's it's um on Shutter right now. Okay. And I seen a lot of d- discussion on it on Twitter. I've I've seen in a lot of top 10 horror movie lists of the the last year and i came away from it thinking i'm not sure um Mm -hmm. the the ending is such a kick in the teeth and i'm not sure if the rest of the movie is worth it or if it really gets you to a point where you're ready to accept that as a a profound uh, emotionally resonant kick in the teeth or whether it's just abusive
0: (laughs) right (laughs) you know that it's funny uh um now that you you mention it uh ah oh, what's the movie? It's the it'll come to me. Uh you know, it's the the Frank Darabond, who I'm a huge fan of Frank the, Darabond. The mist. the mist. That that ending because the the ending in the book I thought was amazing. The, the ending in the book.
2: book the, yeah. the
0: ending in the book, right? Where's was that, that giant creature just walks over them and they just kind of go off, well,
1: right? And they they have that, but then in the ending of the book they're sitting in a hotel room. And they don't know if they're going to have enough gas to go anywhere right. the next day, and they they don't know what's going to happen next. And it just kind of ends with this: Do we still have hope, even though there is no logical right, right. hope or anything?
0: Yeah, I was fine. That ending, I, I never struck me as a bad ending or anything. And I know that that ending of from the mist was very. Uh, divisive you know it was like people loved it or people hated it. I was one of the haters <laughs> how did you feel about that ending
1: you know I really I really loved it oh, okay um, so you're one of the people, yeah I, loved I, it. I wrote an, I wrote an essay about it a little while ago comparing it to the French movie Martyrs um looking at these martyrs movies, uh, it's another fascinating kick in the teeth movie really. Yeah. okay <laughs> um, with, this, with this idea that we I I read the the mist the movie version as we do have an idea that the divine is behind all this. We have revelation from the divine. Mm-hmm. What I think the end tells us is that the crazy evangelical lady was right, and that we needed a sacrifice. Oh God wow! Was and we needed a sacrifice to make all this go away. Interesting. And so we have the, she was was saying we need expiation. We need to kill the boy. Interesting. And the boy killed and the monsters go away. Wow! And, <laughs> hey, a terrifying universe that is to imagine. Right, like, right. And he wants this sacrifice.
0: I'm gonna watch um, it again. I'm gonna watch it again because I trust, I trust you.
1: <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I, I, but it's also it's also okay that people respond differently to to horror. Movies. Yeah, I know. That's, but
0: I I, I want I mean. if something you know it's like if some something that uh you know someone that likes the same kinds of things that you do that you trust. Uh, like something you want to like it (laughs) or you, or you at least, I just, I liked, I want to be able to see it from that angle, even if it still ends up not resonating with me. And it's been a while.
1: I'll send you a copy of this article. Okay. I got an email out of the blue a few years ago asking if I wanted to contribute in a chapter to a book called the T and T Clark Handbook of Jesus in Film. and <laughs> Film. Do you want to write about Jesus in horror movies? And you, you know, maybe yeah, you can yeah. write about the Antichrist. And I thought, oh, sure, I can do that. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought. writing about the antichrist in horror is no fun how about i write about actual times when there are messianic figures in horror films (laughs) it's terrifying (laughs) that these messianic figures get us in touch with the divine and we do not like the message right
0: (laughs) cool i can't wait to read it that's awesome um okay so uh i wanted to ask you uh one thing that comes up often on this podcast, because mostly I interview other artists that that are kind of dark artists that are attracted to this. They're always nice. that they're, the, they're the sweetest people. They're animal lovers, often vegetarian, progressive. They're they're this. They're very nice people. It's weird. Like I, I started noticing this pattern that these people were extra nice. They're extra kind hearted. Like it was weird, you
1: know. <laughs> and this is my experience of horror fans right community yeah
0: yeah it's such an odd thing and and, uh uh but um and the other thing is that is common it it seems to be common is that this feels um this love of horror and dark art it, it feels almost genetic or something It feels like, you know, like you're, you're telling your, your story of, you know, your childhood and, uh, you know, reading Stephen King books as a teenager. It's like, that was me, same thing, you know, it was like, and, and, and these stories are common with folks that are into horror movies and stuff. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Why do you think there are are certain people that are into this? Do you think it's just, we're kind of like oriented that way? Or what?
1: We're built different, as my kids would say. No, I, <laughs> I, I do feel like I, I'm trying to think of all the, all the people I know. I'm not sure if I know any people who became fans of horror later in life. Oh,
0: mm, <laughs> um, right, Interesting. I, I feel mm. like
1: like pretty much everybody has that kind of childhood experience that you were introduced to kind of the early, early gateways to horror, and you just got it right away. Right. Like it, it scratched an itch. It spoke something to you that other other things didn't right so i I do think that you know it's people who love roller coasters or people who who love whatever they love right Um, but horror is so unique and that that some of us just love it so much and can't get enough and others are like no thanks i'll uh, just nothing in there for me at all (laughs) i know (laughs) it it does really seem like there there is some some temperamental thing or something that that i don't know if we can explain yeah i think that question of of are are nice people drawn to horror or does horror make people nicer <laughs> right
0: <laughs>
1: well it seems like the thing i've
0: noticed you know and i've i've interviewed hundreds at this point uh probably a couple hundred at least dark artists i know i know the community really well and um it seems to be that uh, uh a major almost all of them have this have more empathy maybe than average yeah and and you know i'm the same way it's like i'm very uh, just uh, uh sensitive to the suffering of animals and people yeah. you know how it is um but but it's just it, it, i don't know it just seemed like you know someone should study this this is so unusual <laughs>
1: <Yeah. I> did, <laughs> there was a, a study a couple of years ago that was not quite looking at empathy it was looking at resilience and horror i hmm. mean um, was was like you know one of those hardcore scientific psychological studies and found that there was a positive correlation between people who were horror fans and resilience in life
0: i could say uh, that it, yeah with, with my situation for sure because i see here's the thing i uh, s- somebody made a documentary about me i'll send you a link if you want to watch it it's from 20 <laughs> 16 or 2013 i don't even remember but it really it's a really good documentary um and through that i had to like look at my life and uh, we enter they interviewed people and so I, I really had a few a couple of years there where i was really like how uh, he was interviewing me for it i had to kind of go through my life and really start thinking about this because this yeah. this has always been intuitive to me it's just like i like it it makes me feel good it's fun that's it. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but I started, I was, I, you know, I had to go back to my childhood and I thought about, you know, these things that happened to me as a kid. You know, I, I my parents divorced when I was five. You know, there was a lot of brother and sister fighting, a lot of bad stuff. And I yeah. kind of took refuge in my artwork while all this chaos was going around me. And it's, and in a way, it, it, uh, um, it was kind of helped me to survive. And, um, but, it's like my brother and sister. I, so anyway, I I I was wondering if you know I grew up with lo- like a lot of terror around me, horror in a way, you know, and um, uh, but my brother and sister didn't grow up to be big horror fans, you know what I mean? And they went yeah. through pretty much the same thing I did, so yeah. I just don't know how much of it is uh, you know, nature versus nurture, I suppose. It's, it's always been a mystery, it, it, but it's funny because it seems like, okay, maybe I, maybe it was a way of dealing, processing what I was going through, but it feels like I would have liked that stuff anyway.
1: <laughs> it just always has made me feel good. I don't know. Oh yeah. I've read all kinds of, of studies about the the benefits of horror, like why people are drawn to it and and things like that. Um, But they never get to, okay, if if horror has these, these psychological and emotional benefits, why do some people like it and not others? <laughs> right, right, right. Other than like some vague things about, you know, some people have higher intensity thresholds or, you know, things like that, that it's kind of like, well, sure. But I don't know how much that really. <laughs> really yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah I, I, it's, you know, it, it, I've, it's, it almost feels like I'm um you know, when I think about that stuff, I'm searching for uh. Uh, searching for, st- I'm trying to make that narrative fit into who I am now, and it's more like I've just always been attracted to it. It's it feels mm-hmm. like like there's a cross, some cross wiring in my brain to where I like, I, I hate suffering. I hate <laughs> like I hate really bad <laughs> things. I'm empathetic, but but aesthetically, I really enjoy the dark. Uh, aspect of you know horror movies artwork villains i find just kind of fascinating
1: yeah you know yeah absolutely absolutely and i i think we've we've known that ever since milton um right i, remember, I can't remember who it was who quipped that in paradise lost the devil got all the best lines right um, <laughs> which is absolutely true He's A fantastic character
0: right yeah yeah that's i mean the that's i, I that's the 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 thing with monsters and horror movies as well is like people do kind of love the monsters as much as they're afraid of them they also
1: we we love them we we like to see that kind of i always think there's a really interesting play in horror movies that we we in some ways kind of side with the monster that we like to see this transgression um scholar jeffrey jerome cohen said we admire the monster for its freedom and i think <laughs> something that. maybe we don't want to go off on a rampage like that but we like not having boundaries and not having people tell us what to do right but we're so scared enough that we like to see it be put in its place by the end yeah. and have- <laughs> so we want we horror gets to kind of activate both of those sides of our brain right yeah it's almost kind
0: of like a uh you know taking a, a way of taking are acknowledging and externalizing this part of ourselves yeah and yeah, watching it do its thing and getting some satisfaction out of that and like and then putting it back hidden in the end it's like, safe
1: okay you have <laughs> done your thing now it's time to go away yeah. now I feel, I feel better and not necessarily purged but at least calmed and right ready to move on from there. right
0: right yeah one thing you know i i uh i went to a therapist in the night, in the early nineties, early, mid nineties. And, um, because of all this, uh, childhood trauma in in my family, I went through and it was, it was amazing. It was, it was a lifesaver for me. And, uh, one thing she said about me always drawing monsters was in a sense, I was, uh, Gaining a sense of mastery over things that I was afraid of, yes. and so when I was drawing them, I was the creator of them. Yep, <laughs> you know, and that kind of did make sense to me.
1: And, and I think think on a, a smaller level, those of us who just watch the movies or or take in visually your artwork or read the stories, that we have that same kind of experience of mastery. Mm, that, yeah, that a reader being a, a visual interpreter we are we are in charge we're in control
0: right right yeah yeah i think that's what people uh fans of the artwork too that aren't necessarily artists um also very empathetic sweet people i found um yeah i think it's a way it's uh, i've i've often said that on the podcast that it's kind of like like a, a safe way to confront the things that we're afraid of with the artwork like right. and and it's and it's a necessary part of culture it's it's as necessary as you know anything else we need to survive as humans i think it's important you know which absolutely
1: and that that kind of connects to one of one of the things i've I've been working with in my own work for a while is is this main question of why is there so much horror in you know my my location coming from the christian tradition why is there so much horror in Christianity. And I think as, as you mentioned earlier, you could play that game with a lot of religions because right. it's pretty central to, to most religions that there is a lot of horror. And and I, I I guess what I've come down to is that if all we talk about is is love and kindness, um, that's great. But then when we experience the world in a different way, we don't really know what to do with it. Um, right. We don't have any of the resources to say, well, this doesn't fit in my love and kindness framework. Um, unfortunately, I think um, often our response in in our in many religions is to kind of ignore that part of our resource of of our tradition. Those resources that we have because they're uncomfortable, because we'd rather not think about experiencing God as a punishing presence. We'd rather right. not think about times when people are really awful to each other. We right. just about turn the other cheek and and let's love your brother and sister, which is really important and what we hope we can all get to but you've you've got to acknowledge the the uglier parts of our world and of ourselves or else it just rings false and then yeah we don't know what to do with when when we're
0: confronted. Yeah, yeah. This. And it will, you know, it will happen to you at some point, you know, it'll happen to you a number of times because that's the way life <laughs> is, you know. Well, um yeah. <laughs> just just read the news online and yeah, every yeah. day. Um yeah, it's it's a uh, uh, yeah, that's a strange thing. I, like in a sense, I, I mean, with this podcast, I felt like, in a way, I'm doing, or with, with the podcast, with being a, uh, calling myself a dark artist and and leaning into that, yeah. I feel like I'm trying to, I'm hoping that, uh, it will help to integrate that into the broader culture because I think there's there's value there for people to not look away in in that in the way that you had mentioned uh i think that society would be better better off by you know using the tools that that are there to deal with these things like you're saying it's even it's in the bible but people don't want to think about it yeah but but to but to you i mean it's it's there for a reason you know, we need it. We need these things. We need this dark imagery and horror movies and stuff to help us through life.
1: I love that phrase, we need it. I think that's... I think that's yeah. Just, and we either ignore them or we... I mean, when I look back on what I learned in Sunday school as a kid, and I think what everybody learns in Sunday school, I'm not picking on my particular church or <laughs> anything, about how Noah's Ark gets turned into a story about fuzzy animals and and happy songs that we sing about rise and shine and give God the glory. Um, when this is really a terrifying story about God being so angry that the world is getting destroyed and almost all life with just this very small remnant is being wiped out along with it right you know Daniel Aronofsky's new or newish movie on Noah kind of kind of dove into what does that really look like and where is the form how was that I didn't see it I haven't seen it I like it a lot really Um, I know a lot of people were frustrated because it it um not only used the story from Genesis it used a lot of places outside of of the bible there's this book called first enoch that kind of it's like rift improvisation on the book of genesis that mm-hmm. fills in the gaps and tells different stories about some of the people and things like that and aronofsky used a lot of that book as well mm-hmm. as the the story from genesis so i think a lot of people were just baffled that this is supposed to be a bible story and there are like rock giants and all these weird right
0: things i but got i got I'm uh i got they, they wanted me to work on that.
1: Oh, wow. No but, way.
0: but I was like, they wanted me to go to New York for it. And I'm like, I'm not going to, I don't want to go to New York. I can do that. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I, I could, I could do this. You could do remote, remote work. Uh, you know, it's you it's a lot
1: uh, of things, but not go to New York.
0: I, well, I mean, I, I, I've been to New York. I had a show, uh, a couple shows in New York and I really loved New York. I just, you know i traveled a lot in, um when i was younger for for my work in the movie industry i worked in china for like three months what four months um went to italy uh worked on a movie there
1: and remote so, work probably looked a little bit different in that yeah.
0: in <laughs> <laughs> so I, but I, I i was never a big traveler and and uh, yeah. i just i'm a homebody a complete homebody and so i got yeah. all kinds of traveling that i didn't really want but it was good it was great you know traveling is important i think but um i'm just i'm so over airplanes and waiting in lines and all that stuff and i had stuff going on i couldn't just i have a art business i can't just drop everything and go work on a movie at this point unless it's something amazing but uh anyway i just thought that was funny um it is funny (laughs) uh, so how how did the uh how did you start writing the book
1: how did that come about? So kind of, I'd written a couple of, of academic monographs, um, books that, you know, have as many footnotes as they have more footnotes than okay. they have that are, are too expensive for any normal people to afford that, you know, the, their business model is that libraries will buy them and, mm. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's great. That's how you, how you start with academia. But I, I was really thinking about, you know, feeling like I've, I've, these ideas are are cool enough that I I want to share them with more people. I want to be talking about this in a format that I can have conversations with people like you. I can, mm-hmm. can share them with, they don't have to just stick within the, the walls of academia and yeah. just be read by a few graduate students who are also working on numbers 25 or you know, whatever right, right. really specific narrow focus so I started thinking about what can I do to kind of broaden yeah broaden not only my audience but broaden these ideas yeah um, yeah I think it's they, important to get it out yeah to get it I out
2: really, there. I really
1: and I felt like I'd kind of kind of done my apprentice work so to speak and in, in writing with with writing these these narrowly focused academic books so I started thinking about what what I could do to to make that more accessible and and kind of give it a hook that a publisher would be interested in. And I guess what I came up with was uh, let me start telling some stories. Um, <laughs> so I really tapped into that my creative writing background um, as a way to kind of blend as uh, I guess as we were talking about earlier. Say well, what what happens if we really lean into the storytelling part of academia? Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of funny I had, or not funny, just just odd timing that I remember the very specific day when I had written maybe 15 pages or so of the book and had enough of a proposal that I felt like I'm ready to start sending this off to agents. And I was sitting in a cafe in Mason and and doing all my research on what agents might be interested in something like this and sending them off to a few, including the, the one who ended up picking up the book for representation. And as this is happening, I'm watching the news go Oh wow! The NBA playoffs just got canceled. Uh, <laughs> it was it was that very day when it felt like COVID all of a sudden just became oh, real wow. for everybody. When the the world just realized we're we're shutting down. Right. Um, so a lot of the book was written during the pandemic. I think I'm one of many people who wrote a book during the pandemic. <laughs> I don't know what else do. Right. Um, so that was that was kind of the the genesis of it. Um, thinking through. You know, so I've, I've got this basic idea that that um, religion and horror are ways that we ask the same kinds of questions. So I, I organized the book on what kind of what questions are those, you know, looking right. at questions of hope, looking at questions of, of justice, looking at at remembering, looking at. Um, yeah, looking at the goodness of God, I think I maybe get to the mist a little bit in the book and mm-hmm. like <laughs> <and>, um, <laughs> So so yeah then then as a way to just think through all those questions and always with the idea on I want to tell my story of why both of these things horror and religion are so moving to me and have helped me process so much of the world. Yeah. It's kind of my my north star for the book is keeping the focus on on that that question and exploring it in these two realms that's awesome
0: yeah I, I i again um i I do uh, you know i I felt like I got something I got so, something um out of it from both sides of the issue like it was it was so nice to hear um someone speaking about the Bible in a way that resonated with me and it was like you know that's it's it's like again it's 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 so hard to um you know not be overtaken by the the crazy people and uh you know this is this is how my mom this is like how my mom this is how i was taught christianity was this was basically kind of the way you um yeah. talked about it. i didn't feel like it wasn't dogmatic it wasn't you know it wasn't judgmental it was very cool it was cool it's like this you know, and, and so I, I just feel like you really, you nailed it on both ends of it. I, I really, that means a lot to me. Man. Yeah, you should be proud of yourself. I think it's awesome.
1: Growing up in the the small little enclave of Christianity I did, I, it was kind of this growing realization that, wow, this is not what a lot of Christians are like, and this is not how a lot of people view Christianity. I think that was a real impetus for me further studying religion is saying, you know, I I don't want the, the fundamentalists. To be the only Christians who have a right, voice, right? Right. Really at the table. I I want to be able to talk about these things and say, you know, there's a there's another way to look at it. Um, you don't have to be, yeah, judgmental and dogmatic and focused on what other people are doing wrong. Right. <laughs> there, there are really, really ways to to use religion as a as a positive way mm-hmm. to to help us grow individually and in in community and it doesn't have to be negative and judgmental right right
0: yeah I, I i you know it's i feel like it's uh it's the more difficult it's it's easier to just go okay i'm done with christianity there's too many assholes yeah. in it you, and, know. you know
1: i understand that view. yeah right I really right I'm sure I felt that way myself yeah
0: i feel like you you've taken a more the more difficult path and the more kind of heroic path where it's like, you know, I'm not going to let this thing that has value be taken from me by these assholes. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I remember saying?
1: Saying a, a t-shirt a couple of decades ago that said, Jesus, please save me from all of your followers. Right. And that resonated. With me. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So I, I just am so impressed with the book. I really uh, enjoyed it or am enjoying it. I'm almost done. Um, So you got to tell me some of your favorite horror movies of all time. If you can pick, it's hard oh. to choose one or it, choose it a few.
1: Choose. Um, you know, I, um, in the, in the book, I talk about the one that has scared me the most as an adult was probably sinister, um, which I, I think is really, really underrated. Also. Um, nuts. Who's the, that? that's it's Scott Derrickson directed that one. Right? Sinister.
0: That? Okay. Sinister. I get confused with, uh, is sinister. The one with the, the the Super Eight
1: movies, or yeah, the true crime writer and the yeah, yeah, yeah. I really and enjoyed there, that. There was a time when there were all these like horror movies that would have one word titles that were just vaguely right, sounding <laughs> sinister, insidious. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Right, that's
1: exactly, exactly, exactly. exactly. Like yeah, yeah. So that that one, I, I I still keep coming back to and think it's it's. I feel like it's kind of growing in stature. That when it first came out, everybody kind of it was just another horror movie. That right. People so that's really interesting
0: yeah i liked it i like you know what i did the only thing i didn't like it was that that
1: final <laughs> the final jump scare. Yeah,
0: it's like, <laughs> I, I'm not a jump
1: scare guy. You know, mm. it's like, that's the easy thing to do. <laughs> You've heard the, the quip that jump scares are the fart jokes of horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. <laughs> but, um, I, I, I'm torn about it because on one hand, that final jump scare is really cheesy. But on the other hand, it's it's this idea throughout the movie that that as soon as you watch this movie, you're marked. I, I think I love it because it really reflects on yeah, that's... what horror does to us. And, that's a and good now... point. Because we've watched it, this rather silly Mesopotamian demon, demon has marked us. That, that's so. a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I, I can see it. Too. I can almost forgive it for that. But yeah, it, it's also. A <laughs> right. um, and I, of course, I keep coming back to The Shining, is one that. Okay. Yeah, that's a great Kubrick one. Kubrick version. That um, you know, as a kid, I, I watched it. I think first when I was again twelve or thirteen, right around that age, mm. and you're terrified, thinking of yourself as this little boy being chased around by your dad but yeah. returning to it as as an adult with kids it's like man what right. part of me is like jack torrance yeah <laughs> it becomes really scary thinking of of seeing you, yourself in this this father figure this right. guy who struggles with his own aspirations and feeling like his family has Yeah derailed. you as
0: a, you as a writer as well <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, yeah Stephen King has so many failed writers who are just right. <laughs> you know, terrifying figures yeah. <laughs> so I, I i love that one yeah that's a great um one. from last year i i keep coming back to a norwegian movie called the innocence is my favorite horror movie mm. i
0: have I'll to write that
1: year. one down i haven't also, seen it also on shutter
0: um, okay cool
1: it was one that i i you know saw it on on itunes and was reading reviews about it my 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 general goal with iTunes is like, I will check a few movies every week to see if the price drops and mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the price didn't drop on it before it went to shutter. So finally I was able to see it. And yeah, it's it's uh, one of those terrifying and broad daylight movies. Um, oh, good. Group of kids in a, what would look to us like a public housing project, but I, I imagine in Norway that's, it's, you know, coded a little differently. So there are these kids who are, on summer break and not as supervised as maybe they they should be and they gradually realize that they have some psychic powers that mm. work in conjunction with each other um so that oh, when cool. they're together they have different different pairings of them and then they gradually realize one of them is probably a sociopath <laughs> oh wow okay okay i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it's, it. it it's really really good one of those slow burn horror movies that stays with you and it, it pushes on your empathy it's got a couple it's not overall super violent but it's got a couple of scenes where the violence for me at least was genuinely shocking and really effective okay with an effective with an an a hit me in the feels in the way that that horror movies often don't right i I always admire those horror movies that can make me think about them afterwards and can make me feel something unexpected like that right definitely
0: it's really neat. Yeah, yeah. That's that's art. That's what art's all about, you know. Have you when, seen anything lately that I should be watching? Uh, you know, I am I'm so I have to say and and again, this is you know, part of me being an old man, I'm very suspicious of new horror movies. I I I um I I always watch the same old stuff for the most part, but um I uh I f- god you know time is speeding up too. the older you get time just speeds up and it, and, does
2: that,
0: doesn't it? Yeah. i mean i'm thinking like i can't think of oh I, I okay uh i'm getting confused did you see this movie it might be it might be really old <laughs> i just thinking it's not that old because i won't <laughs> but the, it's it's a uh, i think it's spanish and it's not terrifier but it's something like terrified or and that one let me see if i could look it up that one was i thought really cool um it's i think it's on shutter too i'm sure you you have to have seen it let me see terror i
1: think it's probably one that i've seen the movie poster for and have it on my watch list but haven't seen it yet
0: yeah it's not terrifier it's something like terrified or something yeah like but that. it had a span oh, the,
1: the poster has like the image of that kind of demon that's like splitting it right, right
0: yeah that's it yeah, did you see that,
1: that oh you that. gotta
0: see it you gotta see okay, it
1: i'll put it up to the top of my list it's
0: cool me. it's like a oh man it's got um one of the creepiest the beginning has one of the creepiest scenes i've seen in a long time oh, and nice. it's very simple and it doesn't beat you over the head but it is so creepy um and i and i, I that's a good point i'd like to bring up as well is uh i do prefer um the creeps over jump scares over extreme graphic violence um i was i kind of enjoyed the graphic violence when i was a kid but i feel like i grew out of it part it was it was (laughs) it was partially uh you know the older i get the the harder it is for me to watch it's just it's weird. It's like the older I've gotten and I guess you have kids, I got grandkids now. It's like, yep. it's harder to watch that stuff, but,
1: um, empathy kind of kicks in in a different way. Yeah.
0: It? Yeah. It just kind of like goes up a notch or something yeah. the older you get. Uh, but I, but I used to enjoy that because I was into, uh, makeup effects from 12 years old. I was like, I want to be a makeup effects artist. I started reading the magazines and Fangoria magazine and trying to learn how to do this stuff. So, so I was, I was looking at it from a kind of a technical standpoint, like how real can they make this yeah. decapitated well, and, head? And then,
1: <laughs> like kind of the, the magician's standpoint right. of how did they do that? And how can I right. do this and figure out what's happening? And yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a, that's, that's a comment. It's funny because it's like a, a nerdy thing that a lot of us went through like a stage of. of Doing magic stuff because I was I had a period where I did I got a magic kit with the TV magic cards and all that stuff and um it's in in makeup effects because that's a small little niche community there's a lot of a lot of us we're into magic because it's kind of like a similar thing magic and uh, and special effects it's all illusion stuff you know
1: well, that makes a lot of sense yeah
0: <laughs> um, but yeah that's probably hereditary I, I
1: really you know thought was yeah, really good and creepy, and and I, I I see all the problematic things about about mental illness that it has. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: but I still I I think it's it's a really fascinating way to explore those family dynamics and and yeah, look at how we relate to what's been been passed on from our parents.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which
1: is for a lot of us, that's a tough thing to come to terms with. Right. <laughs> I think Ari Aster, the writer-director, once joked that he thought Hereditary was just a little family drama. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing about that is he's now totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just thought that, you know, it, uh, so, sometimes a, a, a really, I don't know, like a an unusual strong image will just really do it for me something uh, that you haven't seen and i and and i uh it's been a while since i've seen it i haven't seen it since it first came out but um that was one of those movies where i kept thinking about it after um but there's the 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 body the floating body that do you remember that one scene yeah that was so creepy and weird
1: (laughs) Yeah, no that's a that's a good one
0: yeah Um,
1: yeah well, I, uh, uh,
0: I also prefer, um, supernatural horror to slashers. Although I was a Halloween kid. Um, that was my, I really thought, but that was, had the creep factor. Yeah. It was creepy. Yeah. Um, the way he was in the background and a lot of shots, I, I really, and the music, um, uh, so that
1: person is, is brilliant.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, it's a masterpiece. Um, but, but the new trilogy, uh... You know, I, honestly, I haven't seen one. I, I am, I'm, you know, I'm very picky with my horror stuff. I, I saw Halloween two when it came out in the theater and I was like, ah, oh. and then Halloween three is one that I was like, what is this? And now as an adult, I really kind of love Halloween three. Cause it's, a it's a so insane.
1: Response to Halloween that, yeah, it's got no.
0: mask making, which I was into as a kid yeah, and a mask factory and, you evil and robots
1: like children at the end oh, of it right I <laughs> can't do that I know kind of, I, I kind of enjoy that that really transgressive boundary breaking yeah it. and
0: it also had that kind of a uh, supernatural thing to it it had sort of a little bit of everything in it which I did I did like but it's funny how it was like
1: the movie but yeah yeah I I admire its mess yeah
0: yeah yeah it's fun It's fun, you know. It's not like a masterpiece, but it was a fun kind of movie. Uh, I mean, what do you look for in a horror movie? What is it that
1: you love? What what style do you really prefer? I'm I'm with you that I I I find that this new, not new anymore. I'm I'm (laughs) like you that I say something's new, and then I'm like, oh, I guess that's like eight years ago. (laughs) (laughs) But the 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 kind of trend of of elevated horror, which is such an annoying name because it really it really is you know horror that's a little more slow paced and and that has the the kind of technical uh what would you say yeah technical skill that we've admired in horror for a long time mm-hmm. and that's always been there in horror. If you oh know. yeah, all of a sudden it's kind of gotten into the mainstream and critics who normally don't like horror are trying to find different ways to say why I don't like horror, but I liked the witch and I liked her red right, right, right. I have this new term we call it elevated horror or supernatural thriller or right. whatever. Yeah. But I, I do tend to like those kind of slower paced, more meditative horror that that um digs underneath you rather than hits hits you over the head with things. <laughs> right. But then I I also find that that movies like Hereditary that are that kind of slow burn, really thoughtful and then all of a sudden have this kind of outrageous gore that just comes out of nowhere can mm-hmm. be really really effective too. So Yeah. I'm not opposed to Gore if it's in the <laughs> story like that, but but really, where i where I go with my my academic work is in some ways intuitive as as well, like you've kind of described your process that I watch a bunch of horror movies, and then I kind of try to pay attention to which ones I'm thinking about days later. Mm-hmm. And I'm still thinking about it. That means maybe I want to dig around and kind of poke at that and see what what is there that makes me want to to keep exploring it and try to see if I can understand why it's still sticking with me right uh I'm
0: also a zombie freak I am an old school zombie freak like you know in a sense zombies became mainstream and it's like oh man I was I was a zombie
1: kid (laughs) before all these these sellout (laughs) zombie movies (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> i was a zombie kid at five years old watching when, on tv night of living dead or six years old or whatever I, somebody
1: who appreciates makeup so much you've got to be a zombie
0: oh yeah 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 i i actually got to work one of the best projects i got to work on was the movie was i i did not i thought it was terrible but it was the uh haunted mansion movie with eddie murphy <laughs> oh man but we got to we uh it was so much fun because we did the, um, me and a couple other people did the uh, zombies. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's the zombie yeah. scene. It's a great scene. The, the sets were amazing and we had to make zombies. And
1: it was so much fun. Uh, I think my kids would say that was one of their gateways into horror because yeah. I remember watching that with them when they were really young and being like, this is scarier than I was maybe <laughs> anticipating. <laughs> I guess they're okay. All right, we'll go with that.
0: I was such a fan of the Haunted Mansion. I grew up going to Disneyland as oh, a kid yeah. and it was and and so I was I was disappointed because I just I didn't feel like the tone was right. I you know, like I said, I'm picky with my horror and stuff, but um uh but but I was like uh you know it was Night of Living Dead first and then um Dawn of the Dead. I was a huge
1: fan. I used to go to the midnight movie of that. Um <laughs> I I think I've still got it somewhere in my basement, that four disc anchor base set of Dawn of the Dead. Oh, cool. Every like yeah. the U S version. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's great. Someone actually, there is an HD version. I forget which version it is, but it's on YouTube. I don't know how they, no one's noticed, but it's like a really nice, <laughs> I think it's the director's cut, like the extended super oh, long cut. Um, but it, it was a, uh, 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 uh zombie was another zombie uh the italian uh fiction, right? yeah yeah w- which is uh that that one was uh um i don't know have you seen zombie uh, it's a ripoff it's a long time but yeah it's worth going back to i would say i don't know if you like zombies it's it's really good because it's very um of course it's cheesy and gory sure. but it it also is really creepy, and the cinematography is excellent. The cinematography was done by a guy named Sergio Salvati, I think, and he's like a legitimate um, uh, 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 artistic cinematographer. He's done like a bunch of really cool movies. He, I think he was a cameraman for Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Okay. You know, so he's like a, a real guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, re- you know, not just some. Guy, you know, some yeah. <laughs> uh, but that has some really awesome visuals and it has a creepy atmosphere. There's like drums going on, it's kind of voodoo drums going on in the background, and uh, I love that one so. <clears throat>
1: A lot of the italian horror movies from that period you you have to to not worry about how bad the dubbing is
0: right oh yeah yeah
1: <laughs> you know everybody was speaking their own language on this <laughs> um so yeah because that, that's a mess but then the 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 style the mood the atmosphere right um those old mario bava movies mm-hmm. just kill baby kill is so fantastic i don't think i've seen that one it's one of the earlier creepy doll movies oh okay cool movies from the 60s
0: (laughs) (laughs) i just saw uh i started watching but i got interrupted but i think it's planet of the vampires which is a i think it's mario bava it was uh apparently like inspiration for the movie alien
1: okay yeah
0: yeah and and it has really weird cool visuals for like the 60s it's really interesting like the the yeah yeah i think it was planet of the vampires um Right. Yeah. cool costumes and stuff it's really 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 well done actually um but anyway so are you a zombie guy too or are you kind of ambivalent on zombies no
1: i i, I guess maybe i'm what would you say zombie curious i certainly do do some of the zombie movies um you know i was a big fan of the danny boyle 28 days yeah, later yeah. that was great I really liked those the walking dead got a little much for me i've like twice started to watch it and both times petered out like hmm. getting at the second season it's like just you know, a little too much apocalyptic nihilism right and <laughs> over and over for me um but then so i i am definitely not opposed to a good zombie movie
0: okay so
1: what... Not what i seek out trained to to sand that's maybe my favorite uh, zombie movie okay
0: There's, yeah yeah that's a that's a great movie that's a great movie uh, twenty. See, I was like, I'm a slow zombie guy. I'm like one of the slow zombie purist, purists. Yeah, because that's what I was raised on, and that to me seems the creepiest. But um, but uh, 28 days later was like, okay, you can have fast zombies. I accept fast zombies after 28 days yeah. later.
1: If you're gonna do it this well, you can do fast zombies. Right. Sure.
0: Right. Exactly. You can get away with it. <laughs> but I really enjoyed that. I thought that was great. I'm all. I do love. Kind of apocalyptic settings, dystopian, dystopic kind of settings is uh, um, like the. Have you ever seen the Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price? Um,
1: You know, I've been watching a lot of Vincent Price lately, but I've not seen that. Oh, you gotta watch it! That's that's like the the first version of I Am Legend. Yeah,
0: it's like the only good one. It's like the only good. I think
1: it's. You're not a Will Smith fan.
0: Hey, I I was open. I wanted it to be good. I actually I, another movie that uh I did designs for. They didn't get used in the movie, but but the shop was work trying to get that job and we were doing designs. And I did some pretty cool designs, but I wanted it to I wanted to love it cuz I love the story. Um but the the you have to watch it. You have to see uh uh Last Man on Earth because you know, the Omega Man. Have you seen the Omega Man? I have. Yeah, that was like the set. that's a fun fun movie but it's very
1: 70s and super super 70s and like tv movie lighting and who has never seen a piece of scenery he can't chew on i mean that's just (laughs) that's what he does right (laughs) but 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 but, uh last man on earth really
0: is creepy and it's it's i think it's a it's italian it was an italian american production so it does have the weird dubbing yeah and um it is you'll see that night of living dead really george romero has copped to this he said that he ripped off i am legend and especially last Man on earth is like a lot like night of living dead like you have to i i I so want you to see it and and uh we could talk about it because it's so if you like if you like nine living dead you'll like it you know it's really cool. But, I um, love
1: seeing those kind of strange or unexpected precursors to movies. Yeah, know. right. <laughs> um, like I, I was, uh, I think a, a few years ago, maybe more than that, again, a few years ago, <laughs> more like 15, um, <laughs> watching this French movie last year at Marion Bob. That's a, an early 60s movie. And... It's set in this, this really, really strange hotel that is, is strangely empty and has mirrors everywhere. And there are all these long tracking shots going down the hallways and down these empty deserted corridors. And it is, I mean, it's a proto version of the shining in wow. so many ways of, of, you know, Kubrick's tracking shots down the hallway yeah, yeah. Being on his tricycle or what have That's you. That's so cool. It's, yeah. it's really neat to see those kind of influences. Yeah. What was the name of that one? Last year at Marienbad.
0: Marienbad. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'll check. Look for that. The, one.
1: There's a, a woman and her husband who are at a hotel, and she meets another man who is asserts firmly that he and the woman met last year at Marienbad and had an affair, and that she told him they were supposed to meet at this hotel again at this time this year. Oh wow he does not remember this. Oh, that sounds cool. he <laughs> claims that she, she doesn't and doesn't know what he's talking about.
0: <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's creepy. <laughs> so, so
0: I guess, uh, what I, what I was getting at with my, um, zombie talk is what is your, what's your, what's your thing? You know, like I, I could say I'm a, I'm a zombie guy and I'm a supernatural horror. Those yeah. are my kind of my two preferences.
1: I mean, I
0: like ghosts. Natural
1: like horror, supernatural horror is definitely my jam. Okay, um, okay,
0: so yeah, that makes I mean, sense. It, it,
1: <laughs> it I, makes I, sense. I try to keep up with the with new things that that come out. Um, I try to. One of the things I've loved about um, the streaming era is that we have access to movies from so many different countries. Um, all right. Shutter has really upped their game in like the last two or three years. I, I was a subscriber like three years ago, and I found that all the Shutter originals were just kind of mediocre and not very good. And I was wasting my time with them. So I stopped mm-hmm. But back a few months ago. And I think realized that Shutter has been really intentional about um, trying to go to film festivals and pick up movies from, yeah, from, from different countries, from different film industries that in previous eras probably would have gone overlooked and right. we wouldn't know about them. Yeah. And there's So much imaginative, neat stuff happening all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool to get to experience all of that
0: yeah absolutely um yeah uh, i uh, did you see have you seen the, um the haunting the the original uh the oh haunting? yeah
1: the robert robert wise yeah one, right?
0: that was one of those childhood movies that really really scared me
1: i i think it it often gets referred to as like the earliest movie that is still genuinely scary yeah i <laughs> i feel that way too that scene with the the holding the hand and that was,
0: we always talked about that when we were kids, you know, and, 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 and it shows nothing. It, it doesn't, you know, that's the, whole, it's like, it's so much scarier than showing the thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah it was funny growing up in the, uh, for me, growing up in the seventies, it was like, there were movies like this, The Haunting, uh, even The House on Haunted Hill and, some of these movies, you know, we saw all this stuff on, um, on TV. There was, there was a lot of like ghost books, you know, back, back in the day where you go to the library and look at the ghost books and they'd have photographs of, you know, supposed ghost pictures. And, uh, I don't know. It's funny. Cause it's, it's when I think of the haunting, what well, that's like a sixties, probably a mid sixties film,
1: like 63, yeah, you know? early
0: sixties. Yeah to me that's so, it's it's like you know it reminds me of the 70s because that's when i saw it but all of that stuff it has that yeah. um, that movie has the feel of those ghost books i used to check out at the library some of those photos where yeah. there's one going up a spiral staircase and you can kind of see like the hand on the and it looks like i don't know <laughs> it's freaking true or not it just it captured my imagination at the oh, time wow. you know um yeah so were you ever in, interested
1: in any of that kind of thing when you were a kid or was that so when i, I was a, a kid i i talk about chasing in in my my book i talk about going to the library and trying to chase around those kinds of books and i i like kept getting sucked into hardy boys books oh yeah yeah I, I right right promise that there was something mysterious. yeah and the covers the covers were awesome Come on, this is just it's old man withers again in a mask <laughs> <or> whatever
0: <laughs> the paint i remember the p- book cover the paintings on the covers are yeah, really it, creepy
1: yeah and cool yeah. and 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 then the books could never never live up to that at all <laughs> i i finally just said nuts to this young adult stuff and like dove into edgar Allan poe
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) so uh, what how did your uh your family is christian as well yeah yeah so how do they how do they they must be cool though like you so they they must be good (laughs) they
1: they must be (laughs) But if, yeah, it was always it was always a negotiation. I remember one of the one of the arguments I made with my mom because there were there were always negotiations over what could you watch and what can't you watch when I was picking out movies at, at Meyer. I, I you know I knew that I, I could get away with this one, but maybe I shouldn't try to rent the Slumber Party Massacre and get that <laughs> one. Right so I didn't see that one until I was in my twenties. Right. But I, I I made the the argument, and it's kind of funny to think about. This is like little Brandon as a burgeoning scholar, like, no, there's a difference between horror movies and slasher movies. <laughs> like slasher movies are the gross, nasty ones. And I'm watching horror movies and that's that's yeah, there's a little bit of violence, but that's that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I mean that's not complete bullshit. There's yeah. some yeah, some yeah. Definitely um, there is. <laughs> I agree. So I would stay on I tended to stay on the supernatural horror side even then as a kid, you know, I Remember one of the first movies that I genuinely was scared by and couldn't let go of was *The Omen*. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's a great one. The, the Protestant Exorcist. Yeah. It's it <laughs> <is. laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> um, so so yeah yeah and. I think my parents generally, well, you know, growing up in the eighties, so everything was a little bit weird. I do remember going to church overnights. I remember at one overnight, somehow the chaperones had rented children of the corn for us to watch here. Things things were different in the eighties.
2: Totally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny.
0: So have you gotten any um, pushback at all from this book? It's... Not a
1: not a ton. Oh good. Um, good. Yeah. I mean every every now and then I'll get somebody posting on Facebook that, you know, horror is the devil or whatever. And, right. Okay. Yeah, that's I understand that. I I read from my my publisher that there was somebody who had requested a copy of the book, and they ran a really big podcast. I thought, oh, this is interesting, and then I did a little more research, and oh, they're they're on the faculty at what is that Hillsdale College at, at Michigan in Michigan? That's like the the big right wing think tank for uh, <laughs> patriotism and education. I probably like, oh, won't hear back for a podcast interview. From <laughs> I, I, I have not, yeah. So, so not so so the
0: reception has been good
1: the reception's been really good yeah there there've been a few a couple of high profile reviews that I was just deeply flattered by the the one in the Los Angeles review of books that kind of put my work in, in conversation with Legati and. Oh, great. Other scholar named oh yeah. Yeah.
0: I did. I read that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It was, it was just fascinating because, because he was kind of looking at how I'm arguing that, that horror helps us cope with the, the horror, the real horrors of the world. Whereas somebody like Legati kind of comes at it from the opposite direction saying, you know, I've got all this terrible stuff inside me and I've got to write these horror stories to almost inoculate. Right.
0: Myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that, uh, I think paradoxically both can be true I
0: know I was, that's what I was going to say it's like I think that can I think there's some truth to both of those yeah yeah you know?
1: I you know I love Legati and his uh, I think his conspiracy against the human race is a fascinating exploration of what horror does and why we why we're drawn to it mm. either as creators or as as consumers of it
0: right yeah I haven't read it. I haven't read him
1: oh his his Fiction is fantastic. Um kind of like an, an heir to Lovecraft with oh, wow. if you imagine Lovecraft without all the racism, which is that would be nice. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ligotti has got a, a really, really dark cosmic horror sense.
0: Oh, cool. Is. Okay. So I, I uh I wanted to uh God, I gotta write I need to write these things down. I keep thinking of like a million <laughs> Questions I want to. We
1: can chat back and forth, and, and <laughs> I can re- be reminded of the movies I'm supposed to watch from you, and Thomas Ligotti or other names. Like right.
0: That. I'm just writing things down and, and trying to remember what I was going to ask you. Uh, uh, so the the reception has been good on the book. Has the book selling well? Do you, it,
1: yeah, I, I you know it's early enough that I'm not getting tons of tons of detailed data, but my publisher's happy with how it's going. How good. It's from a, a small publisher. So, you know, it's not we're not planning on having it on the New York Times bestseller right. list or anything like that. But, but you know, it's selling a reasonable amount of copies. Um, I'm surprised that I've I've heard a couple of classrooms that are using it already and like cool. undergraduate level courses on religion and horror or things like that. Um, I'd love to love to see some some church groups explore it as well. I, I know, right? For for book study groups like that. Um, I had one friend on Twitter suggest he was going to throw it at his pastor and demand that he read it, and I thought maybe that's not the. the
0: uh, <laughs> it's so well written. I really enjoyed it. It's real. It's just really good. It's great. On I I I thought I thought it was just just excellent, just excellent. So I want more. Like I said, I want. I I'm going to recommend it to everybody who listens to the podcast because I I really think, you know, this community. This is, this is a good book for us for the, for our community I think people will love it um I wanted to ask you also uh, uh, we're getting near the end here but um how how um have you considered you know writing fiction uh, going back to that or are you are you kind of satisfied because this is kind of like you're saying it's kind of a cool hybrid where you're able to do academic work but it's it's in a creative way but do you still feel like you want to do?
1: I do. I, I last year picked up the the short story writing again. I've oh, great! Like maybe maybe three or four that I'm I'm starting to circulate. Would love to see published at some point or another. Horror? Um, is it horror? Yeah, yeah. excellent. <laughs> kind, of, kind of low key, slow burn horror. Um, Very cool. And one of them even trying to you know what what is it like if I it's it's not this this well thought through but what is it like if i kind of try to backwards engineer some of these ideas and lurking under the surface and write a horror story that in some ways kind of explores these issues or mm-hmm. as has protagonists who are exploring these issues and think being mm. confronted with these kinds of connections oh yeah yeah what does that look like yeah, yeah.
0: that sounds fun so you're just yeah. so so it's just something you enjoy and and you know maybe maybe something
1: yeah, exactly yeah yeah maybe um i always i enjoy writing so i kind of write and see where it goes and i know some of the stuff i write is probably going to get published and some of it maybe not i often let publishers decide that for me
2: mm-hmm.
1: so, <laughs> i think i feel like i'm ready to start getting some of these stories out there and submitted and see if if anything happens with them
0: wow well i, I hope you do i think i'd love to to read some um I, uh, I'm, you know, I always wanted to, that was one of the things that when I was a kid, I wanted to do was be a writer. And because um, I was a big Stephen King, Clive Barker were my two. Stephen King was, you know, the one that started it all for me. And uh, his book on writing's amazing. Have you read that?
1: Oh, yeah. So good. I love Both that book. Reven and then his dance macabre, his earlier book. Yeah, right. Kind of talks about horror and what it means to him. Some, some fantastic things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I, that's one of the things i i uh wasn't able to do so i i um, i admire writers also you know <laughs> i would i, I would want to do it
1: my favorite quote about what horror means or what scares us really actually comes from salem's lot it was funny because i when i first read the quote i assumed it was from on writing or dance macabre or something it had to, to track it down but he says that the 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 scariest thing is a door Partially a jar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, idea.
0: that is perfect. That is perfect. Yeah, like the, 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 um, that kid in the, in Salem's lot was like, that was me. He, yeah. he I'm sure he based that kid on me. Cause so I was like, a, <laughs> I was a little blonde weirdo kid and I had yep. a magic set like that kid and I had those monster models all over my room. I mean, it was like uncanny. <laughs>
1: Stephen king knows his fans really well. <laughs> he's showing up in his books.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. He's another he's he's a person I would, you know, love to meet someday or work with. I think it'd be amazing, but um yeah, I'll uh I I have I have a a book that just that came out. Um I kickstarted. It's an art book, but
2: yeah.
0: It's uh uh, i'll i'll have to send you a copy i think you'd like it oh, re- love yes. really yeah yeah it's really it came out really good i'm mean, really i'm really happy with it but um
1: fantastic so good
0: yeah so well what do you have uh do you have anything uh, uh plans for future plans or anything you got
1: anything? I've always got way too many projects in the works. I've usually got one book coming and one book going. Um, (laughs) Kind of of my idea is to try to keep one foot in both worlds, worlds of academia and worlds of, of more, more general books that people want to read. (laughs) The the book I'm, the book I'm finishing up now is uh, another academic book. It's for Oxford university press though. So I think it'll get a little bit. Traction than earlier stuff. Yeah, I found out the biblical scholars editor at at OUP is a monsters guy. I just, I, really? He, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he was right into the religion and horror thing. Oh, that's so, so cool. I'm on both this book for for Oxford, that's called Concerning Dust and Ashes. I'm looking at how encounters with God in the Bible sometimes lead to experiences of wonder, where we're just overjoyed and exalted but sometimes lead to terror. (laughs) I'm I'm focusing on that. What happens when they lead to terror and then trying to come up with this idea that I'm I'm not sure I've got quite yet, but the idea that, that horror can teach us things that we couldn't really conceive of rationally because it kind of gets at at them. It bypasses our mind to get right. right And then we're able to, to learn things that we would reject otherwise, or that we wouldn't be able to think about so you know questions like what does the world really look like without people um i don't know if we can ever get there but we can at least get closer if we think about it through the lens of horror or if we feel it through right
0: that's Um, so so interesting
1: Kind of, kind of the idea I'm working with. Um, I'm also co-editing a book for them called "The Oxford Handbook of Biblical Monsters," where we've got cool. scholars all over the world who are writing about Leviathan and Behemoth on one hand, but also like the monstrosity of the crucifixion is one chapter, right. and, and the way that that the Jewish people are turned into monsters in the Gospels. You know how how we right. historically construct them as monsters. Um, so all sorts of interesting questions. That's
0: outside. so cool. I wonder if you could. Uh... If, if if one of these academic books comes out so well that you could kind of modify it
1: and publish it as a kind of a mainstream book... It- It could be. And, and, you know, that's in some ways what I did with lurking under the surface that I took, I had a a previous book called reading the Bible with horror. I I was pretty happy with that. (laughs) (laughs) That is good. (laughs) Where I kind of took some of these ideas and, and worked with them in in different ways. Um, So I don't, it's not, I really don't think lurking under the surface is like a a simplified version of what I try to do or anything like that. But, but yeah, I am less concerned about the footnotes and concerned about the, you know, engaging with other scholars and things like that, because I want to tell stories. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think I'm gaining more confidence with this this new book I'm working on for Oxford that I can have fewer footnotes and can read a text without having to engage in every other scholar who's ever written an article about that text. Right. Um, so so maybe try, trying to find some kind of hybrid way and that maybe leans slightly more to the academic than towards the creative, but still has both both of those elements there
0: i hope you keep doing it i mean it's a kind of it's an interesting little niche kind of this i could see i could see you you know taking it in a lot of different directions using the kind of basic idea that you know uh, christianity spirituality and uh, the bible and horror monsters and kind of dark stuff i i think there's it's a very rich um subject uh, you know a rich topic that you could probably make a bunch (laughs) do a
1: lot more books i I keep saying that you know i'll I'll write about something different when i feel like i've run out of things to say on this this field and so far i i can't see that horizon where where i feel like i'm tired of it and ready to move on oh good (laughs) like like horror and religion is a pretty i guess to mix my metaphors pretty fruitful ground to to keep yeah parenting. yeah
0: that's very cool well I, I hope you keep doing it i i'm enjoying thoroughly enjoying the book and um uh yeah i'll read anything that you write now
1: <laughs> thank you man
0: <laughs> well i really enjoy talking to you man it was so so much fun thank what you good
1: conversation i i enjoyed this so much i'm i'm honored to be on this podcast
0: i uh, i appreciate you taking the time out and um yeah i, I uh, uh, is, where can people find your uh find your
1: work lurking under the surface is published through broadleaf books but it, it's available you can go to the broadleaf website or pick it up at, at you know any of the the online stores amazon or barnes and noble or wherever and And you shop local if you can. Your local bookstore may have it, or they can certainly order it for you pretty easily. It's available through all those distribution channels. And you have a website? I do. Yeah. Just brandangrafius.com is the website where you can learn more about other stuff. Um, I try to stay active on Twitter at brgrafius, even though Twitter is becoming more and more of a dumpster fire all the time.
0: (laughs) It's such a bummer. I was just getting like a lot of followers on there and it all got so I'm
1: feeling it. I feel like every time I get a new follower, I'm excited and I go look at my profile i'm like, wait, I have fewer than I did yesterday. <laughs> 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 it is a sinking ship that people are leaving, but, but we don't have any I know, I know. I know. Right now, and we've all invested so much time into building up our platform on Twitter.
0: Right, right. Well, great oh, whoa, I I forgot to you're a musician, also. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to some of your music. It's so good.
1: Oh, cool! Thank you. Yeah,
0: really. I mean, you're playing guitar and everything. On
1: yeah, I, I played guitar and banjo. Um, it's so great. Yeah, my my goal with that album was to like write the best Gordon Lightfoot album that I could. Cool. Um, <laughs> Go back into that singer-songwriter's mode from the seventies. It was um,
0: great, man. It was great. Uh, I'm good. a guitar player, also, so it's like, oh, no, yeah, That's I tried. Good. Cool
1: thing. Um, a, a couple of neat connections. The drummer for that album used to play in the Verve Pipe in the '90s. Oh no and, way! I remember the yeah, Verve Pipe. from the. They were Michigan bands. So, oh how cool. Yeah, connected with him, and the guy who plays harmonica a couple of times. I grew up with him at at church, and he, when he was in college, he met Willie Nelson's daughter, and the two of them got married. So he is Willie Nelson's son-in-law. Produced and played harmonica on a couple of Willie's albums. That's great.
0: <laughs> yeah i was so mm-hmm. impressed i was like you know you. just happened i was like oh he plays music i was like she just sounds really good <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah yeah so multi-talented well thank you so much for again coming on and, and 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 we just have to say um goodbye to the audience which is what i do at the end of every show so we just say however you want just say goodbye audience
1: thanks for listening goodbye audience